Gandhi. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. We got it now. Um, cool. Thanks for joining me, man. I no appreciate problem. it. Um, all right, dude. When we first started talking, you we we did the podcast with Britt. You got that set up. And then probably about a month ago, you reached out and you're like, dude, I want to come on. Let's let's go over this. So what do you want to dive into? I'll run with it and then let's see where this thing goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could there's a lot of different routes we could go down. I could talk about um obviously I had a real estate company, had that for years um, scaled that up at a pretty young age. Um, could talk about some of the struggles cause there's definitely been struggles, mental health and reco- my recovery journey, different things like that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down to really go, go any, so any route. I'll, so when you reached out, you, it felt like you had a very like specific reason of why you wanted to come on here and talk. There was like something specific. And when we talked on the phone, I guess it was like a month ago, like, what area do you want to go down? Yeah. I'm letting you pick. Okay. You pick. So and I'll roll with you. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, a, a, a thing that I see and like my own journey is, um, you know, going after success and trying to do all these things, but with, you know, internally things not being right. I, for me, I started, in business at 19. I, I, I graduated high school. I was supposed to, uh, play college baseball. I tore my ACL. Um, and then six months, six months after, uh, was in college, ended up dropping out because during that same time I got introduced to real estate. So just very young, got into real estate, um, was grinding hard for a couple of years. And so we can talk about that too. Yeah. What, um, were you, what were you doing? Like, what was the opportunity that you saw? Yeah. And then wh- how are you grinding it out? Yeah. So, um, I guess backtrack a little bit. So my plan was college baseball. Okay. Um, I was a pitcher and I played first base, third base, but pitcher was my main thing. And I was playing baseball since I was six. So yeah, man, just really took after, um, you know, sports and just being competitive and just kind of gave my life to that for, for up until I was really 19, played in high school, was talking to a couple schools and then senior year. Um, like I was saying, I had, I had an injury, tore my ACL, completely took me out. Um, and then after that, I was just looking to sink my teeth into something else. And that's whole another, that's a whole nother thing is putting, you know, not feeling okay with yourself without doing something super intense, like running a company or, having to play sports, but I was just kind of looking for that next, like a really intense thing I could get into. Like, um, and kind of commit your life. Y- to. Yeah. Like, like I didn't know how to not commit myself to something and just like be a person. Quick interruption. The China on podcast is looking for sponsors. So if you are a business that, you know, would like to sponsor the show, please reach out. Our contact info is in the show notes below. Talk to you soon. And so that's one part of it. But another okay. part too was, some healthy desire to like build something for myself, create something. And so, yeah, I found that, um, after high school, I went to, um, I went to college, I went to FSW and during that time I was also doing network marketing. You probably know about network marketing, like Amway, MLM, Okay. you know, that, that, that type of stuff when you're 19 and you're super hyped up. So I had like a mentor and stuff and a buddy of mine who saw me, um, selling products on my Instagram. It was, it was like just different random products like soap and like these different things. He's like, Hey man, it looks like you're doing 
huge things. He's like, I'm in real estate. And this, this buddy of mine, he, I knew him from my freshman year of high school, you know, like the, in like the, uh, biology class, like the double desks that you have, like yep. the lab desks. Yeah. We're two people so, are sitting next yeah, to yeah, yeah. So he, he was sitting next to, he sat next to me freshman year and like super eccentric kid, like super eccentric ended up like leaving after my freshman year. So I completely lost contact. Sure. And after years, like after high school, he just reaches out to me randomly through DM. And so he's like, I'm in real estate. I see you doing business stuff. Like let's link up. And so really that led to me meeting with him. He lived in Port Charlotte and, um, he told me he was 19. He said, Hey man, like I'm looking to like scale my business, you know? Um, and really, I remember sitting in his, I remember sitting in his living room in Port Charlotte and it was like, it was two like couches, like kind of adjacent to each other. And he's sitting and he says, yeah, man, I, I'm 19. He's like, I have four rental properties. Uh, I made six figures this year. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Like, this is what I was doing it for at the time was like to see success and like, so I was really willing to do whatever at that time. It was like, whoever can take me to the promised land, you know what I mean? Of, of that. And like, whoever I can connect with. And he was my age too. And like, we connected, like we had similar interests too. It's like, we kind of align on some things. So it wasn't like somebody that was way older had been yeah. doing this for a long time yeah. and you couldn't even see the gap. It was somebody your age. You're like, dude, I could do this too. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. And so really that led into me right off the bat. I was like, I want to spend, spend time with this kid. I want to like get attached to the hip. I remember two weeks later, so I'm spending time with him. He goes, Hey, do you want to go to, do you want to go to a closing that I have for a property? We go, we, we drive to Clearwater. I think it was about hour, hour and a half. I'm sitting there at this really long table with him, his girlfriend, me, and, and, uh, the attorney who's closing the deal. And the attorney, he signs the paperwork. The attorney gives him a check for $19,700, one deal. And like, he's 19, making yeah. 19 grand on one deal. And so for me, it was like, he told me about what he did, but I didn't see physical checks or anything. And then that deal closed. And I was like, oh, okay, so what he's doing is real. Yeah, And I didn't even, real. I didn't even explain what he was doing. But when I sat down, he, he explained what he was doing and that was wholesaling real estate. So that's essentially for your viewers who don't know. It's sales and marketing to off-market sellers. And, you know, for he was doing cold calling. That's what I did in my business too. But it's essentially reaching out to homeowners, um, offering them a price that's more an as-is condition. And it's really the pitches is like, hey, we'll pay cash. We'll buy as-is. We'll cover all the fees. So it's a net cash offer. But the goal is to try to get it at a discounted price and then go to then flip that contract to a flipper, like somebody like Brit or, or somebody else. Okay. And, and the flipper is the one who closes on it. So literally we don't invest any money. Our only investment is into our, our marketing and, and it's yeah, just flipping that contract and whatever we make. So like, let's say, you know, we reach out to a seller and we get them to agree to hundred, hundred K. All we do is sign a purchase agreement with them. Then we go market that contract, say, Hey, we got this deal at, you know, let's say we want 25 K for it. So 125, you know, you put 25 K into it and it's worth 225. And then, so, so we would market that. And then we would just sign an assignment contract with that buyer. And literally we would give the purchase agreement with the seller to our title company. Once we find the buyer, 
give that assignment to the title company and they do everything else. Super. And, and it was simple. Like it made sense. It wasn't easy. Like as, like, as I found out, like grinding the way I did for the years, but it was simple and it made sense. It's like, okay, so I just need to reach out and do that. And then I get, I get 25 grand, I get 19,000. Like he just did on that deal. It becomes a numbers game at that point. Yeah. It's like, okay, if I can make a hundred cold calls a day and I do that five days a week, that's 500 calls. Maybe I get, uh, I don't know, five people a week that are somewhat interested yep. and then you just keep building that pipeline so it becomes a numbers game so yeah. then all right so then just so i understand the mechanism for these is you go out you find somebody who's willing to sell their house as is let's just say 100k keep it simple we'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars for this if you guys wanted to make twenty five thousand on it you would then go market this purchase agreement essentially to a flipper, somebody who wants to flip these, who who sees it as okay, I could buy this for one hundred and twenty-five thousand, and if I were to put another twenty-five or thirty into it, let's just say twenty-five, I would spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I could sell this for two hundred or two fifty. So for them, basically, you're doing the legwork of finding that deal, finding somebody who's willing to do it, and that's where that's part of where your value comes into play. So middleman, middleman. Okay. That's so, ex- all it is. But, but also the seeker, right? Like yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a fucking grind, dude. Going through that and finding those people. Like I know it's, it's, yeah. it's sales. It's like straight sales and, and high ticket. I mean, we're talking sure. like the hard part is that I don't think people understand is, um, or, tr- and cause I did like my business was virtual. So we're, literally calling sellers about their home to try to get a contract over the phone to sell us their house. Yeah. That's tough. But well, dude, but it, once again, it's just a numbers game. And like you said, if you go through enough numbers, um, you're going to get that. Yes. It's going to take a lot of no's, a lot of, you know, just continuously, um, sharpening your skills. But it's like, once you get it, man, once you get the good sales process, you know what to say in every situation, overcome objections, um, well, dude, it's, it's a, it's a blessing, man. It's a great business. And how, uh, so if you just go out, you get this contract in place, how does the, the cash flow work on that? Who, who actually buys the home? Like where you said you're not out of pocket any money except for the marketing yeah. and the time. Where does that, where does the money come from? So the flipper is the one who funds the deal. So they'll use either what's called private money, which is like Kiavi. I used one called, um, what was the one I use? Uh, Lending Home I've used before for like actual flips I took down. So hard money is essentially where you can come to the table. Let's say a deal, you know, uh, purchase price is 100K and then it's it's 30K rehab. Certain hard money lenders, they they will fund... 90% 90% of the purchase, 100% of the rehab. So you can come to the table with very little. And that's what most investors do. So private money is the same thing, but it's just different. It's not insti- It's not institutional. A private money would be you going to like a Naples Port, Port Royale club and like turning to the guy and saying, Hey, I need, I need lenders. And then being like, all right, what's our terms. And then, and then the, and then essentially the title company would drop the note. So like, you're making sure that like it's above board and you're paying them the way you're supposed to. So they do that. Some, some 
Um, there's other ways like to creatively structure deals, but those are the two main. Um, some investors use cash, but it's not, it's not super common. Usually most flippers I've dealt with hundreds of flippers on a bunch of different deals. They're usually coming to the table with hard money. And so that's how it's getting funded through through those, those, uh, lending companies. That can be a little dicey. So, okay. So it's like, you guys are kind of threading the needle a little bit. Let me find, For sure. let me find yeah. this person. I'm going to get an agreement in place and yep. then I got to go sell that. But you can build, so I'd imagine you would build a network of people who flip houses. So that way, as you get more people to say yes to this, you put a, an agreement in place, you may have 5, 10, 15, 20 people that flip houses that yeah. you can at least reach out to to start that process before you then have to go out and start cold calling yeah. more people. And yeah, I think this is, this was my method when, and I still believe this is I wasn't focused on finding buyers. I was focusing on, on finding the right deal. And so I was just cold calling people left and right, because when I have that deal now, it's like, if the deal is good enough, the buyer will come. It's like feel the dreams. You know, if you build it, they will come. Like if you find the good enough deal, they will come. So, um, so in that contract that yeah. you're putting something in place that says like, I am not going to buy this house. Like you don't, do you have yeah. a time so, stamp on when like yeah. you would have to buy this house or yeah. how does that work? So two things. One, if you're going to do wholesaling, you need to make sure your contract is assignable, which means it's state, it, it very clearly states that this contract can close under another LLC. Okay. So that's that's what I was saying earlier with a, a purchase agreement and then assignment contract with the buyer. Okay, is you need to make sure that you can um, assign it. And then the second thing is we would put thirty business days on our contract. And you're right, like you're saying, like that's a thin, thin, thin line. Um, that was part of that's part of real estate that's hard, man. Is especially when you get into investment side, is it gets really like grimy and like shady and that's- like. And that's the thing is like being above reproach there where you're trying to serve people and not getting deals where you're like, I think I can get a buyer, but where it's like these numbers, hundred percent work. I made sure I ran my numbers multiple times. The only issues are going to be if the buyer can't close because of his lender or other things that are out of our control, which would be like title issues, okay. which is attached to the property. That's nothing has to do with us, but as far, and that's why I think with um, like I was speak, I was, I was filming something that Britt was at a couple months ago. It was a Rhea event. And like, they, they saw that I was there. I wasn't there for real estate. I was doing other things, but like, they were, they were still saying like, they were talking about wholesalers and they were like, you know, most of these wholesalers, they bring terrible deals, all that. And then they mentioned like my company offer trust or like Donnie, like they, you know, they're, they're one of the ones that like would bring it, but now I'm not doing it as much. So it's just like, it's just like that, man. Like well, and being ha- above reproach. It's very easy. And that's what I, and to go to like talking about my first buddy who I said I met that was 19, that was one of the things that I saw that was really scary to me was the way he operated and some of the things that he did. And I could, like, I could, I mean, I could get into like different things, but yeah. So so what are the ways that, because that's, this is what I want to circle back to is like, how do you not be a scumbag in this space? Because it's like, yeah. it's re- like the situation you're talking about, it sounds so easy to me to be like a predator because you can definitely prey on people. So one, I guess let's start with how, how 
why did you not do that? At least why do you feel like you didn't do it that way? And then what are some of the ways that people get preyed on doing this? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, man, I think, you know, for me, and this is probably not what people are going to want to hear, but like for my faith, like I'm, I'm a Christian and I just think that that comes we're editing being, this out no. ah, with being with, yeah, with being like, being like salt, like just being salt and light, like being light, yeah. light to people. Um, whatever's in our control, whatever was in my control, um, you know, trying to just serve people. And that sounds so cliche, but it's like true is like something somebody said a couple, a couple years ago, I heard Max Maxwell is like a huge YouTuber with real estate. He said, you know, with with you talking to these sellers the way you are, would you talk to your grandma that way? Like, would you do a deal like you're doing with a seller yep. with your grandma? How would you feel about it if it was your grandma or somebody calling your grandma and doing the deal the way they're doing with your grandma? Yeah. And so for me, that like convicted me. I was like, man. And I and I think the ways are, once again, um, like, do I feel in my soul that I'm like crossing lines? Sure. Am I feeling a conviction about? this is wrong. I'm taking advantage. Um, and so, yeah, I think with us, I just made sure that it was like, we weren't locking up deals that we weren't sure we could get pushed. It was just kind of like, okay, I think we could, um, not ghosting sellers, something that I see a lot. I've gotten a lot of sellers call me on this is I had a deal with another wholesaler or another investor and they just ghosted me. They have a contract with the buyer and the buyer ghosts them, never talks to them again. Like that's what happens. What's and what's the advantage of that person? That it's goes not them? an advantage. I think it's just like a, a fear of having hard conversations and like just not caring about the seller. Like, oh, we're just going to move on or like, and there's legal implications that like a seller can come after you for having a contract and, and just dropping them, but they still do it. Like, yeah. it's crazy, man. Some of the things I've heard. Cause I bet a bunch of people figure like, Hey man, I'm going to bail on this. And then mo- a lot of people won't pursue legal cause it's going to be sometimes more expensive and more of a headache than yeah. if you just let it go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I think too, is like having, having some grace, I think when you're dealing with investments, you're not dealing with somebody who has a listing, who's not in need. When you're dealing with investment properties, you're getting deals at a discount. These are usually people that are distressed and they like really need help. That's what I was thinking. And so, um, just making the decision to believe them better than you found them, I think is, is, is really important. Um, so how would you do that in that? What does that actually look like more than yeah. just like rhetorical? For sure. For yeah. sure. I, I think that looks like, let me think, um, being very prompt with communication, being very professional, um, doing what you say you're going to do. So for, I'll give you a good example. Yeah. If I have a, cause this happens a lot. I would say probably 50 or 60% of the deals I didn't needed this. They had another need outside of just closing the property. Hey, I need to stay in it for a month and a half to relocate. You know, I need this. I need that. Right. Like if they need something, like if you say you're going to give them two months after it closes to live there, you can't sell it to an investor and not tell them that. Okay. It happens all the time. And then they end up like the investor gets the property and like they think that they're getting a vacant house when somebody's living there for two more months. It happens all the time. So I think those little things, like what are their needs, listening to what their needs are. 
if they need additional things like being above board and just being like of your word. Like it's really, there's no like secret potion or like, how do you do this or that? It's like, it's like, give them your title company's information, give them a direct number where you can always be there for them. Answer the phone when the seller calls. Um, and if you say you're going to do the deal, like try to do everything in your power to do the deal before canceling. And if for whatever reason you have to cancel, don't wait until freaking day 30 of, of 45 to, to, when they're making arrangements and they're starting to, you know, they're planning to move up north. And then you tell them, you know, five days before closing that. Yeah. So. Oh, we're pulling the rug out from under you. Happens all the time, though, man. It's sad. It's really sad. So. Yeah. Well, and that's. Okay. That makes sense. Because that was like my, that was the first, very first thing that came to mind when you were talking about like, this is the business. I was like. It seems like the customers are distressed people and yeah, how do you navigate that? That seem it seems like ripe for scumbaggery. Yeah. You know? No, and it, it is. And and that's the thing is like wholesalers are known as bottom feeders, but if you can be somebody that just operates with integrity, and I think this goes for any yeah. industry you're in. You know, in markets that you're in doing a certain industry, people know the players in that industry. And it's going to get around either way what you are. If people have had bad experiences with you. And once again, it's not just sellers that we're dealing with. It's buyers, it's title companies, it's other wholesalers. Sure. It goes all around. And so the same way, like, yeah, they're scumbags. But like, if you're a person that's of integrity and you try to do things right, the same thing gets around and people have like a positive view of you, want to do business with you, things like that. So yeah, it did. What you do actually matters. It's important, like how you convey what you do like if you're ethical about it, I mean, yeah, that would, that's, I had, I had a place that I worked when I was 22. So after I left flight docs for a little bit, like I was saying before, cause I was a miserable prick for a while. Uh, I went to Orlando and I worked for a company and it was a call center. And I thought that, well, probably the reason why I went there and started working there was because uh, wanted a job, wanted to move out of this area. I saw in their marketing, they, it was a bunch of young people, a bunch of really good looking women there. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll go work there. What does this company do? It's like, oh, they help people get jobs. I was like, cool. I can help people. Great. When I got there, what I realized it is it's a, an education lead generation company under the guise of a job placement company. So the way that it works is there's ads online, however it is that say like, Hey, if you want to work in this warehouse as this type of job, like call up this number and it's like the application process. And then you go through and it's like, Oh, we're a company that helps place you at different jobs. So this is just one and we can place you at multiple. Honestly, the job placements were like, eh, like yeah. basically didn't exist. But what yeah. you do is you get people to say, Hey, um, would you like to talk to one of our education advisors? And they're like, sure. You know, then we can put you in touch with colleges that may give you grants and stuff. Essentially what it is, you hand it off to this person. They collect a bunch of information about you when you call in, and then you get their consent to sell their information as leads to a handful of online universities that will then call them trying to get them to sign up. So 
it was all like this guise of everything. And then I'm like ready to quit right away. And they're like, we have a new program where you're actually going to help people directly and all these things. And then for weeks and weeks, it was like, well, the program's coming, but it's pushed and it's pushed and it's pushed. And it just got to the certain point where it was just like eating on me all the time. I'm like, I'm literally tricking these people and I get like reprimanded for not doing it. And like, I'm, I could be wrong here. I'm going to say allegedly the guy that was running it, like had gone to jail at, for a different kind of company and every call was recorded. So it was like, if you said anything out of compliance, they would be like, shut the call off. Like, you know, it's done. And uh, it was, it was give you this grimy feeling of being in like a shit environment, helping people that, you know, you're really tricking people that I hate to say aren't the brightest people. So you can easily take advantage of them. Like you're literally setting up. Everything's legit here. Come on in, come on in. It's all legit. And then here, we're going to sell your info. And then these dude, I went through the process. This is why it was eating on me. Cause I went through the process myself and do these colleges just call you nonstop. Hey, would you like to sign up for grand Canyon university? Hey, it's Grand Canyon University again. Hey, uh, it's Grand Canyon University. We're here just calling you another time for 30 days in a row. And at a certain point, you're like, dude, you got to stop fucking calling me. I'm going to go out of my mind. So I knew that I was slinging bullshit and it really, really weighed on me to the point where I quit the job without having another job in place because I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to like jump off a building if I have to do this anymore. It's like, it eats at you. I hear that. Dude, I agree. It, it sucks. Yeah, man. So that's why, like, when you were first saying this, my my antenna went up. Like, yep. I've been, I've been like part of that slu- like yeah. slime. No, thing. I validate that, and you're not, and you're not wrong in like thinking that with wholesaling the industry. Um, yeah. do you, everything like you just said makes sense. So, um, well, dude. So you had that. What happened with that company? Yeah. So, um. To make a long story short or whatever, um, I so I started working with that dude who I met at 19, uh, worked with him for about nine months. August 2020, I went off on my own. Okay. Um, so just a little over three years ago. Um, you were, tw- you were 20 years 20. old. Yeah. You're 23 now. 23. Dude, yeah. I thought you were fucking 30 years <laughs> old when I first met you. Yeah, no. So. Um, you're old you look old no, yeah, yeah. No, i'm not like, i'm not like super senior kid you know that's yeah. just like that's still like around. but um yeah man i you know i worked super hard for a number of years um you know 2021 um yeah just little small wins with my business would have like a 5k deal here a couple thousand dollar deal here all that and, um, during the end of 2021, I ended up having my first six figure month in real estate. And so that was like crazy being 21 and having that. Yeah. Um, and a year prior to that, I'll share about this is when I, when I went off on my own in real estate, um, there's just a lot going on, like kind of behind the scenes, um, some struggles with family. Um, just personal, like 
struggling with different things. Like sure. for me, something that's been a part of my journey is like, like addiction to porn. Um, and then just problems with like a relationship and, uh, just a lot of things in my past I didn't deal with. And so it's just all, it's all sitting yeah. there. It's all like affecting your 100%. life. hundred percent. Don't even want to like really look at it and examine it. And you don't even know it. It's, it really yeah. is like, you don't know what you don't know until you're willing to, um, I wouldn't even say it's face your fears, but like feel your fears and be honest about it and those, those different things. And so, yeah, I, during that time, and so this was like right when I went off on my own, I started having like panic attacks Mm -hmm. and, um, life just became like really hard really quickly. And I was working probably 70 hours a week. I didn't have, I didn't have any money when I went off on my own. I had an apartment with this girl. I was having family issues. Um, and my body was like starting to like react, like physically react. And that's what happened. Fall apart. Yeah. A hundred percent. Even if you don't, even if you try to push through your, your, the thing is, is like your anxiety is trying to tell you something. Yeah. And people, I think feel like a lot of shame when they feel anxiety. Like I shouldn't feel fear. I shouldn't feel anxiety. I should be like acting. Okay. Like what's my body doing, but it's your body actually like trying to care about you. And I didn't realize that in the moment, but it was my body trying to tell me that something was wrong. And so, yeah, around that time, um, I, I started, I got a spiritual mentor. I started, um, just like supernaturally, um, like I felt, the presence of God, you know, for the first time in my life and in my anxiety and in those different things, um, just started to like feel some peace for the first time. And, and granted it wasn't a short process. I was almost on a daily basis struggling with very heavy, intense anxiety, but was just trying to push through man. And like, you know, was in that survival state. Like I didn't know what else to do. And so I was, I was cold calling literally, uh, 10, 11 hours a day. Um, five, six days a week. Um, just like putting my nose to the grindstone. And then about four months in of doing that, I ended up getting my first deal. Um, I got my first deal. I literally broke up with that girl and I just started to like really take my relationship with God serious. But once again, there's still a lot of things under there that are, that are not dealt with that. I think that there's like only life experience can give us. And like, for me, like in my, in my walk with God, like, um, personal, like revelation he's given me and just like really starting to put me in situations where I can start to like deal with things, you know? And so fast forward, like the next year, it was kind of the same thing. Like I was just really building up my business and then fast forward to towards the end of 2021. Um, I'm just like, and I was two years in at this point. Right. Didn't have any big wins, like had, you know, like some little wins here and there. And it was just like, I was content, but I just kept doing the same thing. I just kept doing the same thing. And I would say this, as far as like building success habits and everything with that is people that are successful, like they find, they find a way to make it like in the mundane, in the process. Yep. And so I didn't even realize it. But it was years of literally doing the same thing, just cold calling and building skills, talking to people, learning a, learning a high income skill of sales. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is um, success is found in the mundane. Success is found in like those daily micro tasks and um, just like the small moments. It's not like 
watching one YouTube video and then you know everything or like watching watching a podcast every day. It's really just like going out there. And I think that's something I was able to do from the beginning is like I knew I needed to like put action forward. And so from the as scared as I was, all that, I was like still cold calling. I got straight into it. Did it for years. Same thing every day. Like I could literally tell you three years ago on the day what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like three years ago today, two years ago today, four years ago today. Like I, I could tell you exactly what I was doing. Um, Let's see. We'll stand up. All right. There we go. And so, yeah, that's just one like little little thing in that. Well, dude, um, it's that's that is an important point, and I. I, I know. Let me say one more thing on that okay. is because I think that like successful people don't say that a lot too is, is we see successful people online. They have five or six other things going on. They're doing podcasts. They have a, you know, a coaching business, all this. They did one thing for years first. Sure. Like you look at Hermosi, he was a, the gym guy first. You look at Cardone, he was like, real estate, you know, and then he got into sales because he got really good at it through that, you know, or no, I think he started in car sales, but all these guys have done, they did one thing every day for years. Yeah. And that is the thing that I didn't really realize, but then I'm like, okay, I'm finding success young because for two years I was cold calling people. I was doing a thousand to 1500 dials a day on an auto dialer. And I was talking to a hundred to 150 people a day. A thousand to fifteen hundred yeah. calls. I had call tools, and it was a three-line dialer, so it just sits there and would go through thousands of contacts a day. And if you do numbers like that, I'm not even—I don't even count myself as like super, super intelligent or anything like that. I just was willing to like do the same, th- be willing to do the same thing for days. You know, divorce the result, marry the action, and like that was like enough for me so damn dude that's i commend you on a thousand to fifteen hundred calls a day dude kudos to you for going through that but you build a habit and i know that the single focus is huge i very oftentimes will scatter my focus all over the place and and i do this in waves right so like i'll get real narrow get some success and then i'm like i do want to do this other shit too and then i start like deluding myself what i'm what i'm realizing though too this is where i'm at in life i have a lot of things pulling me multiple directions and i have many many priorities but i have top priorities so like family right now top priority 100% my wife daughter baby on the way like everything that i do right now at this stage is in some way circling around that. Like that's like the center of my universe right now. And then I've got work and then I've got the podcast and I've got music. Like I, and then even jujitsu, like these are like the core things around it. And what I'm, what I notice is when I get in the spots of in each of these things, going too many different directions, I'm not strong enough in any individual thing to break through the walls that you need to. Yeah. So what I'm I'm now getting to the stage of life where I've done enough things repetitively, you know, over and over again where I've kind of 
I know how to do that, even if that's not my favorite thing to do is get into the yeah. mundane yeah. and I try to avoid it. sucks, it. man. And you have all your it own. It is not pretty at all. No. And you have all your own mental things that get that tell you, you really don't need to do it. You don't need to make those calls today. No, Donnie, don't don't turn on the auto dialer. You don't, you don't need to do that today. You're going to be fine. And it's like those voices and things are always there and that splits you. But as you say that, I'm realizing... I now have like five core things. One main thing, four kind of core things surrounding it. Yeah. Within each, when I stay focused on the task within each and dedicate chunk of time, chunk of time, chunk of time, chunk of time, but I have a goal of yeah. where I'm going to, I can take my energy and force and push it in that direction enough. So that way, if I'm here on this part and I want to go that way, I can do these tasks enough to I'm going to fucking bang my head into the wall a bunch of times over and over, but it's enough force to start chipping away and then break yeah. through it to get to the next wall and then do the same thing here. Cause I am like, it, I wouldn't be surprised if I have ADD, <laughs> but I'm not yeah. willing to take like, I don't know, Adderall or anything like that. Just because I, I know myself and I know that if I started taking that stuff to try to focus, it would not be good for me. And also my kind of scatter brain is part, I use that as a tool to yeah. help me advance my cause. Like if you're talking about God, right? I'm not, I, I have some Christian ideas. I have some kind of like general spiritual ideas. I don't know what the hell I am. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power, but I don't know what that actually looks like in terms of a religion. But just in terms of taking that and having that open communication is I don't view it as, okay, now I have something wrong with me. I used to kind of view it that way, but I'm like, Hey, this is, this is how I'm fucking set up, dude. These are my cards. Like, all right, how do I actually roll with this and find the pathway through? I don't know anybody else who has a sales job and then also does like a podcast where they'll talk about this and then something else. Like, yeah. People tell me all the time, like, you need to have a purpose for your podcast. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of want to talk to people and have conversations like this because yeah. you talking about this stuff reminds me of what's important, what ways you can go, like the kind of person you can be, things I either do or don't want to do. Like, it's a nice reminder just having open conversations like this. Yeah, you can tell I might have ADD. Is where I just finished that point is completely fucking 10 miles away from yeah, where I man. started it. But that's, that's what I enjoy yeah, doing. Sure. I, I think like your point about yeah, focus. Yeah. And I think like, you know, things are revealed to us at like different times, right? When, when you're ready, when, yeah. And I think where an initial set of action is taking course, you know, it, it makes more sense. Like you can never, you can never connect the dots moving forward because you don't know the future, but you can always connect the dots moving backwards uh, yeah. as far as okay. uh, a certain, you know, say like getting into a business or even um, feeling like a sense of God and like starting to focus on your faith being like, oh man, that's what like, cause now I have this solid faith like years later, you know what I mean? You never know like what, what that is. Cause I think people like, I don't, I don't know, man. I like what it like, you know, purpose is so like objective. It's so objective. So it's like subjective, subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Purpose, purpose is so objective. And I think that, 
oftentimes it's just like acting out of faith, you know, more than fear. And like, mm-hmm. and like that gets revealed to you as time goes on. Um, well, it's hard. You know? It's hard to find that faith, the faith, faith. I've been exploring that concept differently than I ever did in the past, because I always heard faith as like, believe in God. And why would you yeah. not believe like, and so now what I'm realizing is it's the, for me, it is the belief that I can and will move towards the direction of my life that I want to and have faith, have the belief that I can get there, that I'm uh, worthy of getting there, that, I, you know, like all the other stuff that you're going to encounter is part of the process. But like, yeah. it's not all hope is not lost. You're going to go through hard things. You're going to have your plans fall apart completely. You're going to feel like a complete idiot. But then if you keep moving forward, like, and you have faith that you can actually move ahead or go wherever you want to, that's, that is having some connection to a higher power, right? Because you're now operating in the world as it is. Whether or not God exists or not, I can't be the determiner of that. And we won't know in this life technically. Like, I can't prove to you that it exists. But, like, I live in the world now as it is. And with, like, faith or belief where I can get, it's like, okay, let me now plug into this world around me. The world actually becomes way wider. The possibilities open up way more when you start tapping into that space. And there's, like, more fulfillment there's more appreciation for the world there's more like gratitude for the things that you get to do like i'm like dude we get to sit down and do this like this is cool like yeah i used to be worried what would people think and what is what is this and like that stuff still comes in but like the more i can apply belief and faith to life i don't know the the easier it gets, not because it becomes easier, but the it becomes less hopeless because I can now see way more paths forward. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. No, I hear you in that, man. Why did you, did you feel like you had something missing in your life? Like, was that part of like this relentless drive? Yeah. Like where, how, how did that all shake out? Um, I think that I didn't know how to be okay with myself yeah. unless it was driven by external things and I was getting external validation. Okay. Yep. And you know, that goes back to, um, kind of how we're brought up, how we're programmed, um, things that I feel like I didn't necessarily get. Okay. Um, in the younger years. So we, you know, when, when you, when you aren't get what you're supposed to get when you're younger, right. Which is, um, like attunement, like feeling secure, safe, um, feeling like a genuine love, not for what you can do, but like for who you are. And that's very clear. It's not like, I love you because how you did at a baseball game, or I love you because you got an A on this, but like, Hey, I love you because you're my child. I love you because of this, that it tends to lead you into just an external, um, locus of control, which means like, not in the question is like, um, how am I doing? You know, 
how am I doing? And that's always like a ladder based question, like living on the ladder, which is comparing, which is, um, seeing how I'm doing versus other people versus the other question is, um, yeah, like where am I at? Like, where's my heart at? Um, you know, like kind of living off the ladder is like just, uh, basically just being present, being, um, showing up. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's those two things is it's, it's performance, a a performance versus a presence based identity. And then like, like just showing up versus like trying to show out. So for example, um, even if it was something simple, right? Like a friend, friend group gathering, I couldn't just, I couldn't just be present and show up. I had to perform, right? I had to be that guy in the room. Yeah. I couldn't just show up. (laughs) I couldn't just, um, show up to work or to school or anything in my life. Cause it was, it was every area I had to show out. I had to be that person. And when I didn't, people started to become competition versus being able to celebrate, be in community with people, be, um, yeah, just in a healthy, healthy relational spot. And so it affects everything, man. And then for me, like, um, finding my faith, finding God, but then in that other hand, the performance and making tons of money young, because that's what set me apart was being the young guy who was very successful. I was like, I, I was speaking at events. I would, people were talking about me a certain way. And that's where I thought like my value was. And that just goes back to a lot of, um, dysfunction, a lot of, um, just loneliness I felt younger. So it was like, I went external and that's how I wanted people to see me. Cause I, I wanted to put the mask on. I didn't want the, the thing was like, if people really knew how I was, they wouldn't want to be with me. Yeah. They wouldn't want to be around me. If people really knew under, if, if I don't have this car, if I don't have this Louis Vuitton bag, if I don't have this big business that I'm running at a young age and people are like, I'm aspirational. Who am I? People aren't going to want to be with me. People aren't going to want to be friends with me. Yeah. And so yeah, man. Like you put on I, this, you put on this mask because this is what you think that yeah, other people want yeah, you to be. Yeah, and it's, it yeah. sucks the life out of you, dude. Yeah. I, I, even with this podcast, dude, is something as simple as this. Like I've gone that path before because then you worry, like, well, if I do, if what if I interview this person, like, yeah, then I could do this, and then what will people think? Oh, maybe I shouldn't yeah. do that. And then every single fucking time I go down that road, I'm yeah. miserable. Well, let me, let me share this. I, I was 21. I was, um, you know, running my business. I had, I was sitting, this was, this was the beginning of the beginning of last year. Um, 2022, 2022. Okay. So, Cause I turned 23 and, or I turned my birthday's March 31st. Right. So this was a little bit before that. This was like January. I'm 21. I'm sitting on a quarter million dollars. I have, I have over six figures in deals and I was so disconnected from myself. I was so far from myself. I thought that these years of this intensity and performance and, um, showing out, right. Would give me what I wanted. And I found myself in a place where I have a relationship with God. Like I should feel whole. I'm a, I'm a young guy who has, I can go and go on those crazy nice trips. I have the nice car. I have the freaking the clothes. I had everything, man. And I was so miserable. Yeah. And man, I'm getting a little bit emotional, but 
um, I had to look not what was wrong with me, but like what happened? Why did I need to be that and do that at such a young age? And like, what was it giving me that wasn't working? And so that's been the journey the last year and a half. Yeah. What's that journey been like? Yeah. Um, so around that same time, I remember it was uh, January 30th. It was the morning after I had my grand opening for my new office, right? Like 2000, 2000 square foot office, completely renovated. Um, and, you know, like I'm sitting on all this money and I was like, and, and the thing about this too is it happened so quick. I went from probably having, you know, maybe 10 or 15 grand, um, just still cool for like 21. Like that's not bad. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> In a course of six months. And, my, and, and granted, like you got to remember too, when I came in, the market was tough, like 2019, 2021, 2022, like 2020, like real estate was crazy. And so I kind of went with the up current within six months. I was, I, I was sitting on a quarter million dollars Yeah, and, um, frick. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah, I remember it was the morning after. I had my office grand opening, probably had 40 or 50 people there, had a, had a good time. Um, and I remember in this time in my life, I was running at such a frenetic pace. I was just, my mind, I was like sleeping, thinking about addresses mm -hmm. and just so consumed by my business. Because once again, we were talking about like that external identity. Um, how am I doing? Right. And then in that space too, like you literally, it's when it doesn't shut off, it's literally yeah. nonstop. So you yeah. got, you get in and that's part of anxiety too, is that 100%. that loop of thoughts. It's all fear. Just, man. It's, it's all fear. fear. And it's all, and you go, you run through these ideas while you're trying to go to yeah. sleep and you hit the same block and it starts over. You hit the same block yeah. it starts and yeah. you just, you lay there for six hours thinking about the yeah. same crazy shit over and over and 100%. over again. And then you wake up and you're like, you're not it's the any next day. <laughs> it's the next day. And you're not any closer to solving that particular yeah. thing because you never shut yeah. off. You stayed in this loop and it just goes, yeah. goes, 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 goes. Yeah. So the next morning after I have this, this huge party, right? Everybody's celebrating what I'm doing. And mind you, I'm like 21, like with sweet. all this. Yeah. Right. And I say that to just, to just talk about like some of the struggles, like, especially the, you know, being young too, like anybody else that can like relate. Cause I've had some people reach out to me the next morning. Um, I'm at a, I'm at a, uh, like a meeting with my church. Right. And towards the end of the meeting, I start to like feel this like sensation in the back of my head. Right. And I start to tense up in the end of the meeting. My body is like locking on me. And you know how I was talking about that anxiety earlier on in my journey, you know, I, and I just was, and, and felt like I got some peace. Well, basically I, I leave that meeting and, um, I'm going into church. It's a Sunday and my body's like locking up on me and I get into the service. We start like worship and I couldn't, I was freaking out. Like, I was like, I don't know what's go. I felt like I was going to die. Actually. Uh -huh. I felt like I was going to die. I was like, is this like, am I having a full on heart attack right now? And so, um, Panic attacks are pretty yeah. nuts. And they, so, they do fully convince you that you're about to die. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fucking, <laughs> it was so right scary, now. man. 
And so um, I remember some of those feelings from back. And so I had to leave church. I got in my car and I was crying on the way home because I didn't know. And I almost admitted myself into the hospital. It was that bad. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it home. And so, and, and, and long story short, like through that, I like that upcoming week, I like my body was depleted and I, I went home that day and like, dude, I remember like calling my mom and I was like, could you just like sing over me or something? Cause she's a singer, like some like comfort. And I remember calling her. I was like, I just need comfort. I feel like so deregulated and so um, just like scared. Like I was just scared. Like I didn't know. Um, and so it's a scary call for yeah, a mom too. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And so that next like week, week and a half, I couldn't, I couldn't even get out of bed. And really at that moment, I had to start looking at that question, like what happened and what's happening. And it wasn't, ah, ah, and it wasn't, uh, um, and it wasn't something like the process with that was my first thing right off the bat with feeling the anxiety I did and the panic attacks was I first tried to go like the, like massage and like the physical, the physical, yeah. realm, right. I, I remember I did, um, 14 massages in 14 days and I did this will do it. <laughs> and I did this and I did this thing called the float spa. I've, I've been yeah. doing it for years. Yeah, I, the, uh, love it. I still, I, I still love it. Deprivation yep. thing. I did that. Um, I did that the same time, like, you know, two or three weeks doing that every single day. Um, and started picking up like more fitness. Like I got into CrossFit cause I'm like, Oh, I need to just like physically feel better. But it wasn't, it wasn't a physical issue. It was a heart issue. It was a soul issue. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was sick. I was sick. That's what it was. And I felt it. I was like, this isn't going to be something that I fix. And that was scary. And so it's crazy how that stress and anxiety actually like physically manifests. It does. And it does the way I, the way I put it into some people and they're like, what the fuck are you talking? It's like walking around with a, like a wet blanket or a wet towel kind of like over your head where sometimes it's physically your vision kind of gets like yeah. this. And I, you don't know that it's happening when it's happening until after when you like kind of feel better. And there's like a little bit of weight off yeah. your chest and like off your mind. You're like, I literally, it sounds so stupid. I literally have wider vision than when I'm in those times where you're like this. It is like you're a horse with blinders on yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's scary, man. And so, um, so you're trying to I, physical this. Yeah. Out. So, and, and, and granted, remember this is right when I got my new office. So I'm onboarding employees. I have my COO, all this. And I, um, I tried to go back into working. Like I didn't, I took like a month off. Um, and when I went back to working, um, I very quickly started to, um, get more heavier into my porn addiction. Okay. I started to get more heavier into drinking. Um, and so you went healthy, physical, and then yeah. you're like, all right, let's explore because the other once side again, it was giving me something. The, yeah. the business was giving me something. It was meeting my needs in a way. And for me, the business wasn't a problem. Um, it was a solution just like every other addiction or just every other thing that like we, we tie our identity to. Sure. And so, yeah, I, um, 
And so I ended up getting back into the business and very quickly went to alcohol, went to porn, 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 something that like it was a struggle for me probably since I was 11. It was always a part of my life. Um, I don't remember it not being a part of my life. I remember it affecting my last relationship. I remember especially like with having my relationship with God, feeling so much shame around it. Yeah. Um, because it, it is, you talk to people about alcohol, you talk to people about drugs and it's a normal thing. You say you have a porn addiction. You're like, people are like, bro, what is wrong yeah, with you? It's uncomfortable for people yeah. because it, it's got like sexuality as part yeah. of it. And then people are like envision you. Like yeah. when you say that, it's like, then, then the first thought that comes to mind is like you jacking off. Yeah. It's like people yeah. don't necessarily want to think about that. Yeah. Well, plus it's easier at, at your age too, because you never went through any time period where porn didn't load up yeah. automatically, Yeah, you know, like early, like early, early on in my stage and I'm, I'm 30. So I'm not like that much older than you, but like, you know, things loaded real slow. So it, <laughs> for it sure. was, it was that iPod three, the iPod three, <laughs> iPod four with the, oh, with the metal is, back. This yeah. is pre iPod. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and yeah, I just had so much shame, but it was always for me, porn. Once again, it wasn't the problem. It was a solution. It was a solution for my loneliness. It was a, it was a solution for my anxiety. It was a solution for my shame that I felt as a human being. And that's what happens when, you know, you're living in, in your impairments is you numb out with things like that instead of going to the healthy things, right? Yeah. Like going to relationship, going to these different things that, that are so healthy. And well, and instead of two, if you have none of that positive balance out, yeah. then these things become like a full vice, because if you've got the positive balance, like you can watch porn, you can drink, yeah. you can smoke, hundred percent, hundred percent, you can do all these things. As long as like you like it doesn't fucking destroy your yeah. life when you do yeah. them like then it's not really that big yep. of a deal but if you don't have that counterbalance like it's like it sucks you into yeah. the like the evil of it i don't mean to say that like you were evil because you, it's just like there's a uh, there's a a negative pull yeah that the universe does yeah. have and it can suck you down into yeah. that. And that's just a vehicle for yeah. it. And the question, the question too around porn or any other addiction isn't why the addiction, it's why the pain. Why do I want to go to numb out yeah. with this? Because that's all we're doing is when when we're going to different, when you're going to different addictions, you're essentially there's things you're not trying to feel. And it's pain that we're not trying to feel, pain that we're not trying to deal with. And and okay. and once again, and and it's I'm talking about a habitual, I can't say no to this type thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking like, like I agree with you. P p there are certain people that can have alcohol and they can just have one drink. What's the difference between them and somebody who's an alcoholic? What's the difference between somebody who, you know, once every, once every couple months they want to go watch porn. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people can do that, but what's the difference between that and like an addict, which yeah. is somebody who can't say no is there's pain. There's numbing. There's things that, um, you know, there's, there's places they got let down in their life. There's things that they needed as a child that they didn't get all those different things. And so like to go back to my story, uh, yeah, man, that really quickly progressed for me where I was like, I was like doing all these physical things and I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to get back into running yeah. my business. And I found very quickly that that's what I had to go to, to, um, cope. 
And I just remember like it got to a point where I was starting to wake up and I was grasping for breath. Like I was like, <sighs> like so that. Physically when you yeah. woke up in the morning, you yeah. were like. Yeah. yeah. And that didn't happen all the time, but there was, I remember there was one day, um, I would say this probably a, a month or two after I got back, I did that and it was literally 6am and I went to my car, went in the little side door and I had those little mini alcohol things, the mini liquor things that you get from like Publix or whatever. Dude, you were 22 going full blown alcoholic, like uh, hiding like little <laughs> bottles. And stuff. I wasn't hiding it, man. I was I like, I, then this is the thing that I think is like, if you look enough at the way people act, yeah, there's there's certain ways that they're asking for help. Yeah, like right? you 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 uh uh you broadcast it. Yeah, okay. like we brought. If people are in need, they they'll like show you. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's sad because a lot of people won't be like, "I'm gonna be with you in this." Like you need help. A lot of people. All that. A so. lot of people don't have the capacity. Because I think a lot of people are going through their own shit. And so it's like they view that uh, tribally, right? Like I even look at that too. I've only got so much capacity. I'm kind of aware that these things happen. Yeah. But if you and I don't like this is our first time really sitting down and talking to each other. Yeah. You were to come to me with that same problem a couple of years ago to where I'm at in my life now. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to take that on yeah. because I wouldn't know how that would pull me in whatever direction. Like, yeah. I don't know that I would have the capacity to help. And I For think sure. that that's where most people come from is not like a place of fuck you. I don't care. It's like, I think a lot of people are also afraid that they can't yep. provide yep. that level of help. Yeah. And I think that's good too. And, I, and then, so I'll get to the, the solution in that, yeah. you know, which is, um, I remember a, a couple months earlier. So this was around the same time, a couple weeks before I had like my panic attack that like that, that Where you felt it. Yeah. 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 Um, I went to a guy in real estate. Okay. Um, he invited me to this like men's retreat. And for the first time in my life, I looked and I met this guy to this coach and for the first time in my life, I look back at, like I was telling you that question, not, not what's wrong with me, what happened. Yeah. I look at, I looked at what happened. I told my story and I had, I had guys give me feedback around my story, give me places like, man, that's not normal. Yeah. That, that happened to you. That's not normal that like this person was supposed to be this and they couldn't be. And just you having like the memories of that. And so like, I didn't take action on that there to continue doing that work. But a couple months later, like when I started seeing what, where my life had gotten to once again, cause I wasn't, I wasn't a bad person. Like it's not being a bad person. Yeah. The thing is, is like, is like when you are numbing out with these different things, whether that be alcohol, porn, any addiction, you just can't handle life on life's terms. You can't, you can't handle life on life's terms. Yeah. You can't, live a life where, um, you know, like where you can't go a day where you're like, I can't have the, like, I don't need these things, mm-hmm. but it's like, Hey, this is aiding me. Once again, this is a solution. Yeah. And so when that start, I started realizing that it was like, it, it was April 28th. 
I 2022, 2022, I called the same guy who led that retreat and I was like bawling, man. I was like, I have no idea what to do. And mind you, like the business was still going. It was going good. We were making a lot of money, but I was like in, like my life was just non-existent. I lost, I lost me. Like I lost me. Like, I feel like that kid, like that little, little Donnie, you know, that like that child or even just like years leading up to that. I completely lost that person. Like I didn't, I didn't have me anymore. And I just told him that. And he goes, that, okay, man, he goes, um, this isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And the only thing I need for you is to be doing whatever it takes in order to get better. Can you do that? Will you, will you listen to me? And I was like, bro, whatever I got to do, bruh, whatever I got to do, need me to do. And so that began to like the solution, like that began my process of starting to go, go internal and say, where am I? What am I feeling? Starting to do work around the past. What happened? Um, and I began to figure out why I went to everything I went to and why I felt like I needed a business that that young and to be that successful and why I see people as competition and why I would, why porn addiction started so young for me. And I began to find freedom in that and lose the like toxic shame that came with those things. And the thing is, man, for me too, is like, God, God was always there waiting. He was never shaming me. He was never condemning me. You know, there's like verses. It says like, um, those who are in Christ, like won't be condemned. I was never God, like in my whole walk and my shame and some of the things I went through, even being a Christian, like God was still there, like with open arms, like waiting for me at the end of the tunnel. And, um, man, so yeah, I got, I did that work. It's called Tin Man, Tin Man Ministries, like the feelings and just starting okay. to like do some of that work going back to the past, being able to name what <laughs> happened. A, that's actually a good name for it. Yeah. If you're, you're disconnected, you start <laughs> to feel like things are robotic. I yeah. mean, and, and, that, it's, was his, and that was his whole thing. Like yeah. he had no heart, right? Like, yep, yep, yep. okay. Yeah. That's it. That's literally it from, from Wizard of Oz was he, you know, he was a man, but then his life started to get to him and he went to these different numbing mechanisms and just was numbed emotionally and apart from his soul, you start, you start to put on the metal. Yeah. And that's what we all do, man. We all, we all start to, you know, like, like everybody struggles, man. And everybody, if there's not healthy ways of recovery and restoration, the metal is just going to keep going on. And that's what happened. I, I called, I called the guy who led the retreat and I was like this, like full on metal, you know? So <laughs> yeah, man, WD-40, I yeah. <laughs> spiritual WD 40. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started, I started doing that. I started doing recovery around, um, sex addiction and just for me, it was sexual integrity, porn, yep. um, all that. And man, been, uh, it hasn't been easy. I didn't find sobriety quick from from a lot of the things I was working on. Mainly for me, it was like the the porn addiction. But man, God, God is faithful, and like I have this, I had this tatted on my freaking my 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 knee. You can see it. Nothing like, wasted. Nothing wasted, man. Like even in those moments that were so hard, and still continue to be hard. Like today isn't today isn't any easier than it than it was couple years ago if anything 
it's harder now because I'm like feeling and I'm being present with what's going on inside me. Sure. And I don't have these different things to numb, numb out with. I don't have, I'm not going to porn. I'm not going to this or that. You know, I don't have a huge business to kind of like put my identity into. And so it's just me now, yeah. you know? And so, man, it's, it's hard, but God is good. God is faithful. And, um, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And now I help with the recovery ministry at my church and, um, just really for the first time, it's like, it's like, I feel like from early on, I was trying to sprint around the track around everybody else. Now I'm just learning to walk on the track. I'm learning to re to do life a different way. And it, it's hard, man. It's hard in a, in a society and a culture that, that we're in so, to, so yeah. on that front, right? Like the part of what I, I, I went through, uh, different, everything different circums yeah. about it but uh, probably a similar core feeling maybe not to the same extent but it, again it's not a competition on like uh victim olympics or something 100%. some shit like that but it's more like i know that feeling of being completely separate from your core self yeah and uh it's usually over a long period of time um and you know when you're younger it's it's relatively short now, now that I have a baby and everything, I realize life is so much longer than I initially thought, but it goes way faster than I thought, Yeah, you know, because when you're until recently, I couldn't perceive that I may be alive for, uh, 80 to a hundred years when like, I just don't have the, I don't have the history to, to know what that act, what the hell that actually means. And now I see, oh, okay. I've got 30 years behind me. Like, yeah. That's a long time, but it's moved quick. So I do understand like the feeling of going down these paths, kind of becoming somebody that you don't recognize who you are. Even I still always had that connection to myself though. I had it in some way, but there were a lot of times where I would abandon it, go down these other paths because I thought that's what I should be doing. Yeah. And I thought that that would then make me happy and doing all these things. And, uh, I had a, a experience where I was in, I was on a, uh, I was on a trip with my then fiance. No, we were married at that point. I was on a trip with my wife. We just gotten married a couple months before and I had kind of given up music in order to go work, dive into it, get my career going. I'm glad I yeah. did that. I needed to do that yeah. because it just was what I needed to do. But the company had sold, another company had taken over. And I remember being on this call, this was uh, September of 2020. I had put this huge, 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 massive deal together for our company. Like uh, huge, like a big kind of government contractor type contract, all this stuff. And I'm on this call and I remember it was the first day of the vacation. And I just watched the people that kind of took over the company just fuck this deal up. I said to myself, we just lost this. I think I told my wife at that time, but I was like, we, we just lost this deal. We wouldn't find that out officially for two more months, Yeah, but I just watched it happen. And I'm like, fuck dude like what what am i doing here like are these the people that i want to be around is this the direction of my life that i want to go 
And I remember we had gone to other places and we ended up in Savannah, Georgia. I'm sitting there at night, like one night at midnight. I look out the window. I see just a single street light shining on like an empty property that's right outside the window. Yeah. And in Savannah, there's these all these graveyards all around. It's very artistic, but death is everywhere. And it was a reminder of that I was about to let something die. And the way that it came up was we had done these tours and you find out that uh, it was, it ended up being stupid that they did this, but during the plague, there's a plague that went through and they would bury people, but sometimes people would still be alive when they buried them. Cause it would like that's make crazy. them dead for a couple of days. It's crazy. That's where like dead ringer comes from. Yeah. They would tie a bell to the people after they buried them. And if they were still alive, they would, ring the bell so somebody could come do it yeah what they found out normally was the bodies would bloat and then they'd blow up in the thing yeah. and they would ring the bell so they dig up like a fucking <laughs> gross crazy. ass thing but yeah the what it reminded me of going through that was like i basically heard a bell when i looked out that window on this like vacant property that was just a light shining on it yeah. was like hey dude uh you let the music die you let you let this thing die or you kind of buried it and you're getting the bell is ringing and you can either go take that and incorporate it back into your life in some way and figure out what the fuck you want to do with your life. But you're going the wrong direction here and you need to incorporate this back in. And so starting to incorporate that back in allowed me to start going like, let me look for other routes. Let me look for a plan out of where I'm at in this place of losing myself. Where do I need to go to get back to myself? And so kind of getting a smack in the face of that call back to where I need to be going, where I need to be putting my time and effort. It doesn't mean that having a career is bad. I'm now back sure. doing sales, selling a similar software, but just in a different industry different mindset around it, different appreciation for what I'm doing, but I'm also incorporating those other key things. And that plus with a family, all of these things sustain me to not fall back into the bad patterns. I don't have a fucking option anymore, dude. I, it is not an option for me to let my family down with this. The only thing that will do that knock on wood is if I fucking die. And like, I even have things in place that will help them in that case. But like, I need to live and be the best version of myself for my family. And that helps push me in a direction. So when you now go from this place of like, basically your life is falling apart internally, while it looks all great on the outside, it's falling apart internally. Where are you moving towards something now? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think with where I'm at, you know, like what's been revealed to me is, is my heart around recovery and just like helping people through that process, specifically young, younger guys, man. Like, okay. I just think, and you don't have to have, you know, a, a successful business young. It's like, like, Many younger guys struggle with porn. Many younger guys struggle with um, identity and all these different things. And so my heart right now is around that. And I think uh, 
past that, man, it's like, we were talking about purpose. And I think like, you know, not, not a hundred percent of the time, but a lot of time that can be tied to work and, and different sure. things like that. Um, but or like calling, I, I like to call it calling more than like a, than like a job, you know what I mean? But like you're calling, yep. um, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of like, this is the thing is, but you, are you now, but okay. So you don't necessarily have something that you're moving. And actually it took me a little bit to find yeah. what I'm moving towards. Yeah, and I sure. actually, I've, I've done some like mindset coaching that helped me see this yeah. now. So that wasn't obvious to me after I kind of flipped that script. That was also 2020. So it's been about three years. So like, but are you, do you now, at least even if you don't have a direction, you feel like the openness to being willing to go in the direction, like whatever that calling. For sure. Okay. Yeah, man. I think, I think with working my side of the street, the way I have this last year and a half and just clearing up a lot of the debris, all that, I think it's given me an openness and really what I've learned through recovery and being known with other men, like having other men speak into my life, um, is like a, more of a life of surrender, like a life as in not trying to be in anxiety or control, mm-hmm. but saying, Hey, I'm open, but I am, I'm limited. Like I'm a human being. Like I don't have all the answers. Like I don't have the answer f- like for you today, as far as like, yeah, this is, I'm starting this business. Cause I have a passion for this and that it's like, no, like my hands are just like open for personally, like for whatever God has for me. And so, yeah, I, uh, I think, I think like the main word that's coming to my head is like alignment. There's more alignment. Whereas the place I was coming from and like 19, you know what I mean? Like being 19 is I want to be successful. Um, I want to make money, this validation. I want to get this car. I want to do that. Now it's, Hey, like God is given me wisdom through this that I can come more into an alignment and have more of a like almost like a healthy fear of like some of those other things like why am I getting into this why would I want to get into that and having that like healthy discernment of yes this is where I should be based on what I've been through and 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 some of the wisdom to make those better decisions sure so does that answer your question yeah and one of the things too I think just if there's somebody younger listening to this, that's kind of like in the thick of the shit part of what you were going through. I've I've been through it to a certain extent is um, it, it never actually, it's never solved. It's never done. And that was something I was always looking for when I was younger is like, man, if I do this, then I'll be like happy or like, I'll feel better all the time. And it's like, Nah, dude, it's every day. Like you're saying at the beginning, it's the, it's in the mundane. It's just, it's a constant, all right, keep going. And it's like, that sucks to hear. And you can hear it and be like, no, I get it. I know how it is. But still, you're always looking for that, like salvation or something (laughs) like, well, then if I, if I get performance, performance identity, you know, I get a hundred thousand podcast listeners, I'm going to be the happiest person ever. And then if you get there and you don't have the scaffolding around it, the goal line changes. Yeah. The finish line changes. Yeah. And it's supposed to, that's yeah. actually a good thing. For like, sure. It, you can constantly evolve and grow, but looking for that salvation, you're always going to be let down. And then that leads back into the thing of like, why do it? Yeah. Why should I even try when I did it? Then I got there and then I wasn't happy. And then yeah. you can get into this like 
nihilistic view of like, what's the point? What's the point? What's of the anything? point of all this? You know, and the the flip side of the question of like, what's the point is like, what is the point, dude? Yeah, it's just you ask it with a different tone. Like, I don't know what the point of this <laughs> yeah, is. Like, yeah. I don't think we get to know that answer, but like. If you if you stay present, if you can at least do that as much as possible, live in alignment with what you feel is the right thing to do. Yeah, like that's been the most helpful, and it also, like we were talking probably before we got on, but like that anxiety is, it's a tool for you. It's like lets you know when you are out of that alignment. Anxiety doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, but it me it's it is trying to tell you something it's trying to tell you something when i feel anxious like i was feeling anxious for the last month about sales with this company because i realized i was splitting my time in 15 different possible target directions yeah. and then you don't you split you spread your force you don't actually make the headway that you need and then the way that that happens now at my stage i'm 30 years old i'm a sales manager there's 10 people at this company. The way that that really looks now versus when I was 20 is that if I don't sell and I don't close deals and I don't bring in money, the company doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. These people's paychecks don't come to them. Yeah. This office goes away. I My family now gets put in a position of jeopardy. I've got no more time for my little fucking bullshit time to be an adult Mm -hmm. and listen to the anxiety Mm -hmm. when the anxiety gets too much when i was younger i ran away from it i would hide and let the anxiety and i'd let the inaction be my action and let my inaction and my uh running away from the problem let something else solve it the external locus of control right let the outside world decide what happens to me and now I'm in a spot where there's too many people depending on me that that that's not an option for me anymore. 100%. And it's like that shift has made it where I will find the solution. Yeah. Right now in my life where I'm at, I view myself as basically a soldier. I I'm a soldier in the battle of life. I'm at that point where I must make it happen, whatever way that I have to do it. Like if I'm going to come up with creative ways to get people in the door to sign this stuff up, I'm going to help them out. We're going to make this the best fucking thing that they've ever signed up for. And I'm going to go ask them for referrals and things like that. And I'm going to make it happen. And that's what I was talking about with like belief and having faith in this kind of stuff is now I don't view the anxiety as woe is me and maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. It's you're not up to your full potential right now. I can still love myself. I can still appreciate myself. I can still feel whole as a person and shrink that anxiety down to that day, to that method, to that approach. Yeah. But it doesn't define who I am. I am going to be the person that gets this done and I'm going to make sure that my family's taken care of. I, that's, I don't that's know good. what better way to say it for sure than that. Like 
Well, can I speak to that real quick? Yeah. So that's a reality. Like we're human. So we're going to feel anxiety. Like, of course you feel anxiety. Like, of course you feel fear being a sales manager. You have to get sales. Like that's the human experience, but something for me that helps. And I think it's so prevalent is life is so much scarier in isolation when you're not known. Yeah. The thing is, is yeah, I can have fear while I'm at my job. Fear is normal. Fear is completely normal, but having a safe place to land with it, where if I have a hard, where if you have a hard day, check in with a friend, you know, check in with your wife, whoever you need to. For me, a life is, life is still scary, you know, but when you have a safe place to land in those fears and you can say, man, we, you know, we're supposed to do 3 million in sales this month or a million in sales or whatever the number is. And you have six people who are relying on you for training, for development, for you, for creative strategy, all that. It's the fear isn't to, to, to say, uh, I just can't do this because I'm feeling fear. It's to get, it's to bring you somewhere. It opens doors in the fear. And that's the need in fear is like refuge, a place to land. And so that's why I think what we're struggling with in our, in the culture too, and society is I can't be needy. Um, I can't talk about my problems cause then I'm going to be seen as a victim when, you know, I'm too much. If I talk about my problems, I want people to see like that. Hey, I got, I've, I got it yeah. and not admit that life has gotten to me in some form or just that I'm feeling anxiety and fear. And so like, that's a difference is like checking in and being known and having safe, a safe place to land no matter what. And that's where like, for me in my process, I didn't really talk about this a lot, but a big part of my journey has been getting a lot of other mentors and men to speak in and friends like peers. Like I got a couple of friends who are like my age, maybe a tiny bit older, like 24, 25 that like, I could say, Hey man, like I'm feeling really scared today. Like, like we have this, we got to do this, or I have this going on and it's just really talking about it because that's when life gets scary when your things are going on inside or you're just like feeling fear. Like say you're out of the office and you don't have anybody to go to it about Yeah, that. And so that's like, that's like my biggest thing. Cause that is the reality. What you said a hundred percent, you have a family, you have responsibility. There's certain things you need to do to provide and sacrifice and it's not like, it's not all about you. It's about you. Like you were saying, like, I want to set my family up. I can't like feed into the anxiety. And like you said, when you were younger, just curling away, we can't, we can't curl away and feel it and like shy away from it, but we can be known in it. We can have people around us. Like, yeah, you know, and a lot of times that's like other healthy men, that's other relationship with men where you have a safe place to land. They're not gonna be like, dude, why are you feeling fear? But be like, bro, I've been there. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense. You're feeling that. Thanks for checking in, man. Yeah. And like, that's like intimacy, like where you can. And that's another thing I learned is I thought that intimacy with another person, right? Like uh, relationships are formed on them seeing a certain version of me. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought that that's, that was the um, connection point was oh, we're both in business. We're both making money. Some external have, connection. Some external point. thing. Yep. But the identification and where I have found that intimacy has came has been from my point of weaknesses. From my point yep. of, man, I'm feeling fear today. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling lonely. And I bet you, like when you have somebody that says, 
man, I'm feeling like scared. You're like, me too. And that's what it does for us is it's the me too. Like, like you're not alone. And so yeah. I think that's what people ultimately, that's what like people really need is like that connection. I'm not alone. Yeah. And when you can know that you're not alone in something like, man, when a, like almost two years ago, when I had that panic attack, if I could have just known and had somebody not try to fix me, but be with me in it and just say, I'm here, I understand I'm gonna going to be present, <laughs> dude, you're yeah. not alone in this, bro. What it would have done, what it would have done to me, you know, and help me with. So that's like my, that's like my feedback to that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause then you can be that person for another person. Like that's the cool part. And that's that, like, that's what I like about doing this too. And having conversations like this is, um, I get to kind of put that same thing back out there for anybody that is actually listening because certain things did that for me growing up, like certain comedians, certain podcasts, certain music, like there's albums out there that I just happened to find them at the perfect time. And like that literally shaped the trajectory of my life. Cause I was like, Oh, this guy is like, however old he is 20 something or 30 something. He's like experiencing this same exact 100%, thing yeah. that I'm going through. Yeah. Especially too, when you think about like, Oh, they recorded this in like 1995 <laughs> and now it was, yeah. and it's like 2015 and I, I'm still younger than that person was when they recorded that 20 years ago. And I still am getting the message conveyed. Like they stamped that in time, they put it out there and it's existed this long yeah. where I finally found it 20 years later. Like even like, dude, think of the Bible. It was like, yeah. I guess it's like 1900 years old now, yeah. 1950 years old, something yeah. like that. It's like, dude, that was made that long ago. And then you exist today and those ideas find you. So like, 100%. that's cool that you can, I like that idea that even if I'm not like, I don't want to be this guru person. I don't want people to uh, yeah. be, I don't want to be like a false idol to 100%. people and like 100%. pull people off a path and be like, come down to my ranch. We're here in Southwest Florida. I'm going to fuck your wife. And then you can't even fuck your own wife. Like, I don't want to go that, yeah. that route. Like, you know, like the Waco guy and all that yeah. shit. Like, Andrew Tate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get some uh, Romanian women live in a compound. Yeah. Shoot machine guns and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't want to go that route, but it's like, dude, if I can put some of this stuff out there, if it helps yeah. you, just a reminder of yeah. like where you can go in life. Like, yeah. that's cool, man. That's, I, I think this is, this is one of my like thoughts lately has been, I think like even when people talk about struggle, it's always past tense. It's always like, yeah, man, I struggled with that. But nobody wants to talk about right now what they're going through like presently. And just like, imagine if people are on, you know, interviews or talk shows or anything and be like, yeah, like porn, I'm struggling with that right now. Yeah. Depression. Yeah. I'm struggling with that right now. Anxiety, man, like in this present moment. Yeah. Right now. But it's so past tense. So if people can just know like they're not alone, like in the present and like, that's a thing. Like you said, there's so many people like in gurus. And this is a thing that like I had to take like a good five or six months off social media like I did earlier this year. And I still don't even like being on it because everybody wants to act like they have it figured out. Oh, We're yeah. Not, like everybody wants to act like they figured out like it's their method. And it's like, man, like that's not that's like a mask like you don't have it figured out and you're still struggling everybody struggles with different things and so it's just like yeah man it's just like life on life's terms is like life is tragic life is tough but i'm just gonna show up every day 
and like just be present and like that doesn't mean all is well one of the that doesn't things, mean all is well you know what i mean one of the flip sides of that though that i dealt with and i've gotten very wrong and i'm i'm now getting it more right is also to know what you are more of an expert at and what you yeah. are skilled at and where sure. your value sits there too because i've done it there's a, a guy that i uh i know pretty well who does some work for me and stuff like that deals with this too it's like you don't even see your own expertise and where you can bring yeah. value to people yeah. and you sell yourself short and it and it makes it so other people then go like oh i guess you don't know what you're doing 100 like, percent. i've unsold deals because i do that shit and it's like also you got to remember the flip side what are you good at what do you know what are there's a guy that wrote a book called the war of art and one of yeah. the things he talks about is the owning a territory versus trying to find your place in a hierarchy because there's always somebody that's more skilled than you. There's always somebody that can do that video better yeah. and knows the algorithm a little better. Also, but you live in a territory. You exist in the real world on the world's terms. Yeah. The people you're around, you might be the most skilled video editor out of any of the people around you that they know. Mm -hmm. And maybe they know you as a person, so they kind of trust you. And so rather than feeling like, oh, I only have this set of skills. It's like, I know the most out of anybody that you know, and I'm here to help you. I'm going to continue getting better, like, yeah. but I bring this value to the table. Here's yeah, what I sure. do. And like, understand that you bring a value. For sure. That's a tough, that's the flip side of, of that is, and then finding that, I don't know, kind of grace in it of like, yeah. I don't know everything. I don't have yeah, life yeah. figured for out. Sure. For sure. I know this shit better than you do i hate to say it that way but like i know this shit better than you do and i'm gonna help you here yeah. that's been a that's the flip yeah. side of that that i've had to yeah. like learn the hard way sometimes yeah man no no 100 percent. and there's there's a balance right of like it's all about not yeah it's like not all or nothing it's not like okay because i'm trying to you know live an honest life or a life of integrity like i can't i can't um what's the word like um yeah like have confidence in my abilities uh -huh. you know and it's not and then it's just finding that like healthy healthy medium you know um because i think it can be easy to swing into the all or nothing of like yeah okay the only way i'm gonna do well on social media or in an industry if i'm super polarizing and super just like out there and being like i'm the best which some people it attracts some people you know what i mean like i mean we look different figures like freaking andrew tate and like uh all these different like ed my andy elliott like super polarizing people you know um but then it's on the other end of like almost like um just like toxic shame of like not no matter how much they know like not having confidence mm -hmm. in their ability so i think it's yeah, it's 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 hard. Like it's really hard. It's not it's not easy because it's almost like it's a like it's a dance. You know, that goes on constantly. You're always yes. adjusting the meters a little bit. 100%. Oh, I'm way too confident. Then you get fucking smacked in the face. Yeah, like, for sure. Let me dial that. Let me dial that back a little bit. Well, dude, thanks for coming and doing this. What, before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. The only other thing I I forgot to mention is like. I, um, I did end up like closing my, my company down. Um, yeah. and 
Yeah, man. It was yeah, like back to what you were saying with the moments. You know, there's like crazy moments. Like you were you were talking about the grave and talking about um, like those turning points kind of. Yeah. It's like, bro, it's, it's, it's crazy how like God just puts those different moments to like show us things like visually. Mm-hmm. And for me, that moment, I was just thinking back to one. My office got completely destroyed by the hurricane last year. Okay. I'm talking all my windows got blown out. I had, it was all windows all around for the 2000 square feet. All of it got, my office got looted. Um, it was, it was bad. And I remember, um, a couple months later when I decided to close it down, I was like inside the, all the glass was still out and, um, I was just sitting in there. It was completely empty and super silent. And I was just like mourning, right? Like I was just mourning and like, dang man, like this is like sad, like my hopes, my dreams here. And just the different, like through my recovery, through my, you know, my journey, like deciding to, um, close it down for that, for that time. Um, and then I remember looking outside and there's these like kids across the street. They're all like probably like six to nine years old. And there's this like really busted down, like apartment complex that they were, they were living in and they just look so joyful, man. Like so joyful. They were throwing the football. And I remember like stepping like outside, like on the other side of the glass outside and the kid just like throws me the football. Right. And I remember in this moment, it was like stepping into like a life that's like real, you know, a life that's like, that's different, like a different way of living and like, and like going out and, um, playing with those kids and just like their, their curiosity and just them being themselves and not like affected by the world yet. And like literally 20, 30 feet behind me was this company I, I scaled up and, you know, gets completely destroyed in the hurricane and just all the things that happened there and the things that went on there at that office. And then I just go over to the other side. There's these kids just like not worried about anything, just present. They loved that I was around them. They wanted me like we were running different routes with them and stuff like that. But that that was just like a a crossover moment, like right then and there. I felt like I went through this like invisible like wall, like into something else or this like force field thing from like the past to like the future. I just remember that moment. Like that was really profound um, for me of just like a new kind of a new chapter. So it's just you saying that like resonated with me, like with that story of like, man, so like sadness and like, and wins too. Like, like it's not, it's once again, it's not all or nothing. Like it wasn't like I had this company and it was all bad. Like there's great relationships I built from that. There's great skills I took from that. It's like, and there's things I can continue to use, but it's like, man, like there's a different way to live and like there's hope and there's dreams and all these and like nothing's wasted. Like it's still good. And, and to kind of go over, it felt like I went to like the other side in that moment, literally right across the street with those other kids. And I just started playing football with them for like 30 minutes. So cool, man. Hell yeah, dude. That's very cool. Yeah. I love hearing. I never even told anybody that it was just kind of like something in my own head, but yeah, man, nothing's, I guess that's my last thing. Nothing's wasted. Um, you know, my life, God's been faithful. I can't, I can just speak on like what he's done for me. He's been faithful. Um, he's restored me. He's, he's, he is restoring me. He is recovering me. I still struggle. I still have days that are hard, but like life is, life is better now. So 
Hell yeah. I'm glad to hear it, dude. I love stories yeah. like that. And thank and thank you for having me, man. You you uh you're great at interviewing, you're present. Thanks, um, dude. and yeah, man, it's been it's been a gift and um really glad to see like where where you take this and um just everything else you got going on. You're talking about your second kid coming on the way. So just being a being a dad who I can tell you care, I can tell you want to like provide and, and do well and and just uh and just continue to grow. So I, I wish that for you, man. Thanks, dude. Trying. <laughs> Where can people find you? Um it mainly Instagram, uh Donnie Goodman with two N's, D-O-N-N-I-E-G-O-O-D-M-A-N-N. That's the main thing that I'm on right now. So hell yeah. Dude. Thanks for coming and doing this, yeah, man. Appreciate no problem. it. Thank you, everybody. Peace. Peace.